Nadia, a senior from Townsend Harris. Hi, I'm Aaliyah, and I'm also a senior. Hi, I'm Namir, I'm a junior at Townsend Harris, and, and this, this is Operation Tomato Meter. We hope you enjoyed our review of the first half of Squid Game. Now, as a new part of the podcast, we're going to be guessing the official rating on the Rotten Tomatoes website and seeing how our thoughts wow. compare with that of critics. So now that we've finished watching the whole first season of Squid Game, we're going to guess the official rating it received from critics, and then we'll discuss if we think the rating is where it should be or not, and why. Okay, so now let's get into the bulk of the episode, because we have to guess some Rotten Tomatoes scores. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, my guess is 92% for Squid Game. I think overall they handled the dynamics really well in the character development. I think that was one of the strongest points of the show. I actually don't know about that one. I think it was lower. I think that Oof. critics might have placed it more around like 83%. Okay. Um, because I don't think it would have appealed to as many people as we might think it did. Come on now, you guys are having way too much of the sleeping gas in the back seat. I think I'm going to come in the middle here and say 86%. I think there's a lot of good stuff for teenagers. I think there is a lot of cinematic stuff for critics. And I think that it's around there, 86%. Yeah, I agree. I think you have a good medium. I think there definitely is a universal um, message to it. So I think that while the violence may seem attractive to teens, I think there's still like something that the adults can get from it as well. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely deserving of a higher score, but I, I still, I'm still not sure if it would have been perceived that way by critics. Oh! So yeah, I guess that critics and public alike both really agreed that this was deserving of a 94% um, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I definitely agree with that. Um, what do you guys think? I, I agree with it. I think it might have actually been elevated by the perception of younger people, actually, because I heard that a lot of people actually stopped watching once they realized how violent really? it was in the first episode. Because in the beginning, it was just like an innocent children's game, and yeah. then it was... Um, a massacre, so. Yeah. But honestly, I think those children, like, games were, like, so integral for making it so universal, as Nadia was saying. Yeah. And I think that just, that's just what really makes it certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe let's talk more about the games in the other episodes, because we did talk about episodes one through four last yes. week. So what do we think about the other ones? Um, so now, in the second half of Squid Game, which we are reviewing today, um, last week we had Red Light, Green Light, um, uh, the Gonot game, and uh, beginning of Tug of War, <laughs> now we have Tug of War, uh, the whole marble game, and then the glass bridge. Oh, and Squid Game, of course. Of course. Yeah. What do we think about their strategy for Tug of War? Do you think that would have actually worked in real life? I feel like it could have, actually. I thought that was a really cool scene, actually, because I've never seen that strategy. And just right off the bat, when they all started leaning, and then just like that whole moment where they soak it in and like show us like wide shots of all of them just leaning all together as a team, I thought it was really cool to just see that like happen out. I think that like the tug of war game really brought out um, the different kind of like archetypes of each character. We kind of see the old man as like this wise person who's lived his life, and that's why he's so essential to the dynamic of this team. But then, more importantly for me at least, was seeing um, Song Woo and how like his desperation starts peaking there, where he can take even like those three steps to go forward, even though it's so close to like falling off the platform, mm -hmm. and like how he's willing to do like the most erratic things just to survive and win. Yeah, I mean, that moment as well, when they took all three steps, that was mm -hmm. so risky. And then they even showed, like, Gion falling off, like, himself, and then they pull him back on. So that was really, like, high-stakes, intense moment, so. Yeah, also something that I liked was um, when they were getting off after seeing the other team literally fall to their death, 
um, there's a great use of like I guess like shadows yeah kind of like that elevator portion mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of like important to notice like that like little like light sequence there because it shows like despite them winning you know there's still like a darkness they carry within them yeah. because inherently they were the people who caused mm-hmm. the other team's death you just reminded me about that whole like sentiment because while they're winning um our team you can see gion's face start to falter because behind the like happiness he starts to falter because he can see the other team struggle and their desperation so i thought that was very like humbling in a way it was very scary it also brings up the triviality or the seemingly trivial aspect of these players because we know they're important we know that they're people Mm -hmm. we're the audience watching this is like this is terrible this could never happen in real life but of course the VIPs and the front men, everyone running this game, they don't have that same value for human life. They don't see the players as real people. They don't see them as having these values. And that's why also um, their faces and their names and their numbers rather, yeah. they were on like a checkerboard. And that was important because it shows they don't even see them as being yeah. alive even. They can just be a light that goes out exactly. if they die. And also what you said about the VIPs just having no regard. Like they don't see them as people. I mean, when we finally meet the VIPs, just the, the language they use and the way they refer to all the contestants and they bet on them, like betting on human lives. And then even when we have the glass bridge game, they have their own mini model with like chess pieces and they'll just flick it off if one falls and dies. So just like you said, trivial, trivializes all of it and just like minimizes the whole thing to just a game. Going back to like the whole character development that we were talking about, we see Song Wu become more and more desperate, almost as if like, this is like his true nature, which it could yeah. be. I mean, honestly, thinking back to how like if he betted with people's future and f- people's futures, and that's how he got into debt. Like, I feel like Song Wu is kind of idolized by Kyun, yeah. and I feel like by these games, you can see how like Song Wu is actually not as amazing as Kyun thinks, and it's more like Song Wu is just trying to live as much as he can, mm-hmm. and he's really trying to win these games, and I feel like. He's very like, self-centered. Yeah, there's a whole there could be a whole debate about Songwoo's character because he does acts that you know, being a viewer, we can just sit back and like judge him for it. But like you said, he gets frustrated and I just feel like he also could be the most realistic character because if we placed ourselves in that context, I mean, we would all get desperate to just survive and live. I mean, we see even the glass bridge game when the guy in front of him just won't budge and there's like 30 seconds left. I mean, what would you do in that situation? I think it's difficult to even say what we would do in any of the games or in any of the situations that these characters are placed into. Because we can say that we would do the right thing and that we would uphold the standards that we've said that we would, but we really don't know because we've never been in that situation. Mm -hmm. And that's when people's true nature really comes out is during adversity and during times when you are under a great deal of stress. Yeah. And it does all come full circle in mm-hmm. those last couple of episodes. In a lot of ways it comes full mm-hmm. circle. And yeah. I really like those like details of tying it in. Like even um, one of Kion's, when he's at the airport and he's on the phone with the person from, I guess, the whole organization. And he says one line that stuck out to me that I'm not a horse. Um, I just thought that was a great detail because to the first episode where he's betting on horses and even that whole situation and just was very reminiscent of like, being bet on as a human to play these games as well so i thought that was really great at the end to just like reiterate that like i am not like your toy or your game in a way it's also saying i'm not a pawn yes. in this whatever game of chess that you're playing not just literally in the squid games but 
I guess in society as a whole and in the world. Like we're not pawns. We're not here just for your enjoyment to watch us suffer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very compelling show. I mean, even considering like Gion at the end. I mean, I know the end end is a lot to have to talk about yeah. because considering that he won and then we see you know as a viewer you hope that it has a good ending you hope that he won and maybe he sees his daughter and he you know like switches his life around but then we actually see that a year later he's in the same state as he was before the games he hasn't touched the prize money he doesn't really take care of himself you know he's drinking or wasting money on that as well um so what do we think about that what do you think about his haircut? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, red for tomato, right? Tomato meter. Ah, the games really hollowed out, you know, Gion as a person. Like he lost kind of like his drive, and he kind of lost even like the capacity for compassion. Like I feel like he was just put into like this shadow of of his former self, yeah. and he just had to live with that. And I think so. that the haircut, at least, was kind of indicative of like this is a new star for Gion, and I think red was an interesting choice. You know? That is. What you were saying earlier about you thought there were loose ends at the end, I actually don't think there were many loose ends. I thought it, maybe the season could have actually stood alone as an entire series, and the ending was, while it was very fast and it might have even felt rushed, I think it was very impactful. And it really tied up such an important show, especially in this particular time, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know, what do you guys think? Were there loose ends? I wouldn't say loose ends per se, but just open ending. And I think that's why I would slightly disagree with you on that. I feel like it would be a disservice to just end it at season one. Because I think just, like, you see the passion with which, like, Kion turns around and starts to walk. And you just, you're, like, yearning to, like, know what happens next. And will this be put to a stop? What do you think? I feel like, um, in terms of, like, loose ends, like, after talking about it more, like, Yes, I definitely want to see if Gion's going to join Squid Games again. Is he going to be part of something different, still relate to Squid Games? Is he going to even stop Squid Games? Yeah. Like, those are the kind of questions that are like, wow, like, I can't wait to see what this next season's going to be about. But also, like, thinking back to how, like, the old man, just because his death wasn't, like, explicitly shown, I feel like that also brings up the question of the police officer, is he actually dead? That's, That's something true. that just, like, just clicked for me. I yeah, was like... I didn't think about that. And also then that kind of ties into like, how did the front man become the front man from being the 2015 winner? Yeah, there's definitely more to be explored with that, like police and his brother's side story as well. And I'm just really excited to see it. This week, we are doing something new. We know that you've all seen the Tom Holland news, so let's formally introduce it. Welcome to the Tom Edo Challenge. So to keep it sweet and simple, we have one goal, to get Tom Holland, who is the lead in the new movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, to make an appearance here at Townsend Harris before the movie premieres on December 17th. I mean, it's playing a kid from Queens, so what better way to promote his movie than to come to <clears throat> the best high school in <clears throat> Queens? When walking towards the locker rooms for gym class, you might have already seen the Spider-Man cardboard cutout hanging outside the clave, as you can see here. To help us achieve our goal, we've asked anybody and everybody to take a picture with the cutout and so and to share on Instagram with the hashtag hashtag bring Han to Harris and tag at Tom Han2013 at Spider-Man movie and at THHS Classic. So today, November 12th, was actually the last day to participate. So thank you to everyone who already took photos with the cutout and tagged the classic. 
So now that you're doing your part, let's give you an update on what's going on from our end. We sent a folder filled with videos and images from this campaign to Sophia Groupman, our consultant from the Pan America Writers Group. Sophia has already done amazing work getting us in contact with publicity firms and movie studios to help us with our tomato meter goals. Just this week, we were offered the chance to review and conduct interviews on some yet-to-be-released content on HBO Max and Disney+. We're really excited about that, and we'll have more to come on that soon. Now, Sophia is ready to help us get in touch with Sony and Marvel about our No Way Home project. She has our Spider-Man selfies and will let them know that we will continue this campaign with new plans in the coming weeks. So make sure to keep engaged. The more you do, the more likely we can achieve our goal. It may be difficult, but we will try our best to get Spider-Man to come back home to the Queens High School. Follow us on Instagram at THHS Classic to see what we have planned for this week's hashtag Bring Holland to Harris campaign. All good things must come to an end. If you made it this far into the episode, thanks for listening and make sure to check out our previous and upcoming episodes. Remember, we all want Tom Holland in Queens. As always, this has been Namira, Aaliyah, Nadia on Operation Tomato Meter. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Bye-bye!